There's a scripture that, that when I was down here trying to just be humble in worship, everywhere I look in the Bible and I study the word worship in the Greek or in the Hebrew, it, it doesn't paint a picture of what we do. Well, what we do is awesome. It's wonderful. And I'm sure that it, it just blesses God's heart. But everywhere I look at the Greek or the Hebrew and look at that word worship, it, it's literally a person who's on their face, who is so humbly submitted to the Lord in their life. It's a, it's a posture of humility before God. And that's what I was trying to find, was a posture of humility before the Lord so that I could worship Him kind of singing into the carpet, but, but with that, that reverent posture on the floor. In the scripture, I kept looking for it. I couldn't find it because I was looking for the word seed. But instead of seed, it's a grain of wheat. Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Last Sunday, we had Dr. Yeboah. And he told these great stories. Um, Dr. Yeboah's got great stories. He didn't even tell the coolest story about going to Myers and sitting on a guy's chest and screaming at a demon and the demon screaming back at him and that was a good story. But the 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 cool thing is having a story. The the tough thing is you gotta sit on the guy's chest in Myers and scream at the devil to get the story, right? He told the story about having a hundred dollars, all the cash in his wallet at a Gordon food store and the Lord there's some kind of donation jar there and the Lord said, put that hundred dollars in the jar and he's Every time I think of the story, I want to do it in his, ow, in Dr. Yeboah's voice. Ow, are you crazy, God? It's $100. It's all I have. Put it in the jar. Ow, put it in the jar. Ow, put it in the jar. Take it out of the jar. Put it in the jar. Take, see, that the $100 bill is a seed. And unless that thing falls to the ground and dies to Dr. Yeboah, it can't produce any fruit, real fruit, kingdom fruit, because God's called that $100 bill. So three times... Four times. He put the $100 in the jar. Four times he took the $100 bill out of the jar. Finally, he put the $100 bill in the jar. He died to the $100 bill. It's a seed now that can grow. Walks out of the place, the Gordon Foods. As he's walking towards his car, an employee runs out to the parking lot and says, Hey, could you come back in? You know, One of our managers wants to talk with you. So he goes back in. It turns out the manager that wanted to talk to him was actually a Gordon of Gordon Foods Gordon. And he said, I was watching you, and I've never seen anybody put that much money into the jar. That's the most money anybody's ever put in the jar. But I also noticed you had a really hard time putting that $100 bill in the jar. He said, I did, because I wanted to keep it. But guy kept telling me to put it in, and finally I just put it in the thing and left. And he said, well, hey, can I buy you lunch at, where they have lunch? Chinese, Chinese buffet, that's right. <laughs> I could just see me, it'd be like, the guy's got my $100 bill, he's taking me to lunch at the Chinese buffet with my money. So they go to the Chinese buffet to have lunch. Now, for those of you that aren't often here, or you weren't here last week, Dr. Yeboah uh, was born in Ghana. He um, just lost his wife just a few months ago, she passed away. He has led, I think he said, 14 million people to the Lord. He is ministered with Cho. Now, Cho, the Korean guy who has the biggest church in the world, which how many, who, anybody know how big? Like a million people? A million people in Cho's church. Somebody said, ask Cho what his day was like. He, he prays for like four or six hours. They said, how in the world can you be the head of a church of a million people and spend that much time away from your duties? He said, how in the world could I be the pastor of a church of that many people and not spend six hours a day in prayer, right? 
Pastor Cho invited himself to minister with Dr. Yeboah. Reinhard Bonnke, probably 100 million people, I think 80 million that they can count actual decision cards, but probably 100 million. If you think of there's 6 million people, some of them gave their life to the Lord and you never got the card, right? So I'm saying 100 million invited himself to minister with Dr. Yeboah. Dr. Yeboah is a big deal. I mean, that guy, and he comes here to church on the street. It's so cool to me. Anyway, he puts his last $100, his only $100 in his pocket into that thing. Guy takes him out to lunch, and he said, I have something for you. He gives him an envelope. Dr. Yeboah can't stand what's in the envelope, but he knows it's not polite to ask, so he excuses himself to the restroom, opens the envelope, there's a $75,000 check. I believe the Gordon family are Christians. And, and that man <laughs> that man was listening to the Holy Spirit for the opportunity to sow his seed where God wanted it sown. But Dr. Yeboah had to die to that $100 bill before God could release the 75000 If he'd have walked past the thing and in his mind said, No, Lord, I can't. I have to have my $100 bill. He'd have, he'd have paid for his own Chinese buffet and that $75,000 likely wouldn't have found its way to him. He told a second story. $6,000, all the money that he had in his ministry account, $6,000. And God told him to give it to someone. No! No, are you crazy, God? Over and over. Finally, he's obedient. He gives it to the, to the wherever. He goes to his accountant. And, and the accountant says, hey, I need you to sign some checks because we spent some of our 6000 He's like, well, I can't sign those checks because I gave all the 6000 away. The accountant quit. There was a Jewish man. I hope I'm not mixing stories. I don't think so. There is a Jewish man that um, in Israel who's, you know, they're being tormented by the Palestinians, by the Muslims. And he said that he, is gonna, he doesn't believe in Jesus, but he knows if the Muslims will believe in Jesus that they'll stop shelling the Jews. So he says to Dr. Yeboah, will you, if I give you money, will you do something to reach the Muslims because they won't listen to a Jew so that they'll meet Jesus and they'll stop shelling Israel? The 6,000 turned into 1.5 million. The guy gave him $1.5 million and he built this broadcasting thing and I forget how many Muslims he said. Did somebody hear? 10,000, some, some large number of Muslims that have come to know Jesus as a result of dying to the 6,000 and being obedient to the Lord. When I was down here on my face, I was thinking about last Sunday, and I was sitting just right over here during Dr. Yeboah's message. And for those of you that aren't familiar, it's a good thing for me to repeat a lot. We, we have some um, children, and we have some special needs children, and we tell people, listen, we want them in here. We're, we're, we're not going to stand before Jesus someday and have him ask us, now why did you take the least of these brothers of yours, these ones that needed me the very most, and because they were a little bit disruptive to your service, you warehouse them and push them over someplace else? We're just going to have them in here. And what we've learned is that once we get accustomed we're not distracted. Teresa and I learned that in Africa. Children every place. So I'm sitting over here. Chris and Kristen and their family are sitting a couple rows in front of me. And Bailey, who is uh, autistic, and sometimes Bailey just, something gets on him. He just starts laughing and he's having fun. 
and he's putting his arms up. I don't know if he's on an airplane or what. <laughs> he's laughing. And, and to me, it's so beautiful that God's people embrace that. Not like, oh, I wish they'd make that kid be quiet. We're never going to do that. But there's people sitting behind him, and I don't know him. First time here, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, man, you've got to let somebody explain to them why we want Bailey in here, even when he's laughing versus, you know, oh, let's get him out because, you know, he's going to disturb somebody. I come to find out that they were here with two special needs kids, and they were here because we want Bailey to be in here. See, if we don't take that seed of flesh and put it in the ground and let that thing just die to my personal selfish need not to be distracted. And let me tell you, there is nobody more easily distracted on earth than me. I am telling you, that blue fish is here for a reason. I battle with it all the time. That flesh... Sorry, these are people that know me. (laughs) That thing that's flesh, that seed of flesh that would be, oh, what's the word? Offended, that would be upset, that would feel like, oh my gosh. You know what? If that thing can't go in the ground and die, I promise you, you could throw a rock. I shouldn't do that. I don't want to impugn any church that you could hit with a rock from here. But I'm telling you, you could find a lot of churches where if a baby cries, an usher's going to get the baby out now. And if that's the only way you can worship and pay attention, that's a good place for you to go. I'm not asking anybody to leave, seriously. I'd much rather see the Lord transform your heart. But that seed has to die. The $100 has to die. I was, gosh, maybe I should stop talking and keep listening for just a minute. I was trying to prepare for this week's message. And again, for those of you that don't know, this would be uh, the 14th message from the Sermon on the Mount that we've preached. And, And this one was the scriptures that start just before Jesus does what we would call the Lord's Prayer. And there's these two verses that, that speak to, you know, don't pray with vain repetition, you know, just blah, 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 as the Gentiles do. And understand that your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what am I going to say about that? So I thought about skipping them. And that led me to the Lord's Prayer. And then as I'm reading the Lord's Prayer, the very part of the Lord's Prayer is, that we would forgive as we're forgi- or we would be forgiven as we forgive, and that leads me down this whole path of oh my gosh, what wins, uh, grace or unforgiveness? Like if if I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but I choose not to forgive, does that grace trump the unforgiveness? Even when the Bible says that if I don't forgive, I won't be forgiven. And I get myself into this whole stirring mess of, oh, man, that's just two sermons away. I don't have any idea about that whole thing. And so I'm calling all these guys that I respect and texting them. And only one of them, bless your heart, Pastor Adam, <laughs> called me back. And I'm asking them, which one wins? Does grace win or does unforgiveness? Even if I'm under grace, does unforgiveness still trumpet and I won't go to heaven if I don't forgive? And he's like, well, I mean, he said this much nicer, but he's like, I don't think you really get it. And as I was laying on the floor, I was thinking to myself, God, if you're going to make me preach a sermon that I haven't prepared for, I struggle enough. This week, all you gave me were scriptures. I don't even have any hardly words to put around it. I'm going to need your grace. 
And then I started thinking, oh, I've been sick this week and I hardly got up and prayed or read my Bible very much and I I slept in every day and you're not going to give me grace. And then I heard Pastor Adam's words and he was talking about how God loves me and how God understands and how how his grace permeates those things because he can see my heart. And I started saying, Lord, I'm just going to stand on your mercy and on your grace that even though I didn't perform so well this week, you can still give me what I need to be able to make all these people didn't come and waste their morning to come and hear nonsense. And I'm getting to this place of understanding that that seed of myself, even unto works, has to die so that the fruit of the Holy Spirit through grace can rise up and make beautiful things for me and for everybody around me. Oh, another thing from last Sunday. I'm sitting again over here, and usually we're synced up, I think. I'm always up here, so maybe I can't hear so well, but we're usually, I'm doing the thing with the eyes again. I wonder what that is. (laughs) Um, We're synced up worship-wise with the children's church. Now, the the difference between us and children's church is two pieces of half-inch drywall and some two-by-fours, right? So sound tends to get between the rooms pretty easily, but they were worshiping a long time last Sunday. Dr. Yabo has given his word. And I mean, it sounds like there's a party going on in there. And you could hear it so good. And I'm thinking about the new people again. It's like, oh, the new people, they, you know, they're going to never want to come back. All this noise. And I thought to myself, I hope they ask me about that. I hope somebody comes and asks me about, man, you know, it's awful distracting hearing all those kids singing in the other room. Because that presupposes what's going on in here is more important than what's going on in there. And it's not more important than what's going on in there. Teresa tells the kids all the time, your mom and dad don't have the full-size, you know, adult Holy Spirit, but you got the little child Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that ministers and resides inside a child is the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that resides inside of us, right? The power. I mean, how many times have we had the children come out and pray when somebody needed prayer? The power of that person, that child, that God says we have to be converted to be like. He said, unless you're converted to be like this child, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. The seed of thinking that what goes on in here is more important than what goes on in there has to die. Because otherwise we'll do things that will inhibit what God's doing in there because their music is too loud for us. I've never once had the children's teacher, pastor, person come in here and say, hey, your music is too loud. Turn it down, it's bothering us. Not once. I'm so blessed that he's given us this heart and he's teaching us to walk this way. Give me just a minute. I need to find some scripture. This is when you should be really happy I have an electric Bible. Gene had us plant a seed this morning, a seed of faith to, to move the mountains in our lives or maybe just the mountain, whatever is the most, you know, uh, I don't want to say impressive, but that biggest mountain that's inhibiting us, it's that, that our faith isn't overcoming. He said, let's plant a seed of faith to knock that mountain down. And Well, I'm not going to enjoy the recording on this one. Um, 
I'll go there in just a minute. There's a few seed scriptures that the Holy Spirit led me to. In uh, James chapter 3, verse 18, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, I wonder if the fruit of the seed is righteousness. And, and unless that seed dies, the fruit can't be produced. And the fruit is righteousness. It's almost, it's almost like the opposite has to die. So what's the seed that has to be planted and die so that God can raise up righteousness? The fruit whose righteousness, which is sown in peace, is that seed anger? Is that seed selfishness? I know that seed needs to go and die. (coughs) The seed whose fruit is righteousness, planted in peace. Is that a mountain, Lord, that has to come down before we put the seed in the ground? Father, I ask in Jesus' name, what dies that righteousness that the fruit of righteousness can be born inside of us, Lord. Wow. What did you hear over here? Love. Love. Yes. As soon as I asked that question, I heard the word self. That's what you heard too? Lord, we just put self in the ground. Boy, that's an all-encompassing seed. We put everything that's self in the ground, that self might die. In righteousness, born in peace. We sow in peace, Lord. And if it wasn't for faith in you, we could never sow self in peace that it might die, that righteousness might rise up. So, Lord, we thank you for that gift of faith that causes us to trust in you, that we would sow our seed of self into the ground, that you might rise up a plant of righteousness with beautiful, righteous fruit. We prayed in Jesus' name. What was the other one? Mm-hmm. I just want to. Izzy? Hi. I just want to share a, a vision the Lord gave me that goes right with Pat is talking about. Um, this week during our prayer time, or my prayer time, um, we're going to India probably sometime in February. And I was just praying about that and asking the Lord, you know, I'm not sure why we're going, Lord. Why why are you sending us there? And as quick as I said that, he, he brought just showed me a vision and it was a vision of 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 me going to just this mass of people. And he said, because I've placed inside of you, and not just me, not just me, he means this for each one of us, the greatest power here on earth I've placed inside of you, and that's the power of love. And I was like, okay. But then he showed me that when we lay ourself down, when we lay ourself down, see, fear Fear wants to keep you here. Fear wants you not to move out. Fear is a comfort to you. 
because you're scared. So fear is easier to believe because it's comfortable. It's a place you've been. It's, it's familiar. But when you lay that fear down or you put it down and you step out, the Lord just showed me that when you lay that down, there's a power that comes that changes the face of the earth. It changes wherever you're at. And it's having the courage to lay that self, whatever it is, that self part. And for me, it was, I don't, I don't understand, or I don't know why, or, or just questioning. Wanting to go, because I do want to, I always want to go. But what's the purpose? And he says, you don't even have to have a purpose. The purpose is, is what you, what I've planted inside of you. The greatest power. I've given you more power than an atomic bomb, and it's called love. And when you step out and take a risk to love, it's going to change the face of the earth. So self-dying is a big deal. Don't have to understand everything. You just have to be willing to, if you're scared, do it do it being scared because he's going to come. He waits for you to say yes and take that first step and boom, he's right there and he gives you all that you need. And when we hold back because we're scared or we're fearful or we're mad or we're angry, those are selfish things that bring us selfish comforts and they're not from him. Amen. First Peter chapter one, um, I guess verses twenty two and twenty three. Since you have in obedience to the truth, now he's speaking to people that are actually saved and born again, right? He's Peter is talking to the church, those people that have literally. Honestly, to become the church, the body of Jesus Christ, if, if this makes no sense to you, you've got to come and ask. Don't, don't let me turn you off from Jesus, from what you're about to hear, because it's beautiful. But, but to become a piece of Jesus' body with him as the head, often about doing his business, walking in the greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, because that satisfies every other commandment. You had to die. And baptism is a picture of that death that happened that you literally said, I'm going to die. And when, when you went down in that water, you died to yourself. And when you come up out of that water, you saying that I'm risen up back to life, just like Jesus. He died to himself by allowing himself to be stretched across that thing and have that cat of nine tails rip all the flesh and meaty off his back till he wasn't even recognizable as a person. So he then next thing, he drags this cross with his all tore up body, he's got this crown of thorns jammed in his head, and they, they stretch him on that thing, and they put the spikes in his wrists, and they put the spikes in his, in his feet, and he hangs there bare naked. He's, you think self would do that? No, never. He died to himself. He went down into that tomb, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same thing that brings us born again life, he was risen from the dead. 
since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently, wow, that was, wow, I'm sorry, Dory, leave me alone. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. He's calling us to a place of death, a place of surrender that is going to be so uncomfortable to us if we don't choose to die. Because we'll be one foot in and one foot out. We'll feel the conviction without the glory. We'll be wrestling and wrestling and wrestling if we don't choose to die. Now, I don't know what that means individually for any person at church on the street. I have a sense for what it means for me and Teresa and for us as a church body. But it's a place that we can go to with confidence and with peace and with with just this anticipation of glory. Man, I was reading Luke 11 when Jesus talked about just sell everything you got and give it to the poor and come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. Where your heart, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So he's like, get rid of all this stuff that might be your treasure so that you can have treasure in heaven. Follow me to this place. He's saying, follow me to this place of the orphan. Follow me to this place of caring for the ones that can't care for themselves. Maybe that's where this message is supposed to go. The last scripture that I had to share with you this week was this. You heard this morning about the mountain, right? What's the mountain? What's the mountain? Honestly, for me, the mountain is fear. I I can't remember if I've shared this or not. I've been watching YouTube videos. Every day I I go into the little search thing on YouTube and I type orphan or I type foster care. And I, and I get this big list of videos and then I watch them because the seed that's flesh doesn't really want my life to change that much. So it has to die. So when I watch the video, I'm so broken for these kids. There's this one video that has a song and it's called Nobody's Child. And there's these pictures of these beautiful children, but they're nobody's child. How can that be? I think about how screwed up their families must have been that the state had to take them away with no place to put them. And they're nobody's child and this song is breaking my heart. I'm looking at these kids not crying like crazy and I'm going to keep watching those videos until that part of my flesh will die so that I can do exactly what I'm telling you you're going to be asked to do or whatever your piece might be. My mountain is flesh. My mountain is, hey, I used to have this life Now I have this life. I actually like this one a lot better, but I gave up a lot from the old life. I gave up a lot. Teresa gave up a lot. This time of our life, you know what we were planning to do? Because we had children. See, I I turned 19 on the 3rd of July. Teresa turned 19 on the 26th of September. We got married on the 29th of September. Our first child was born on the 10th of October. You could do that math. I was making three seventy-five an hour. She worked at um, International Pancake House. Man, she'd come home with this apron full of quarters and dump it out on the carpet, and we'd count the quarters and be so exciting to have some money. But we dreamt about now in our life. 
because by now in our life, our youngest child is 27, and, and our oldest child is 34. Gosh, you could probably do that math, too. I'm really only 40. I mean, Teresa is. I made a lot of money. I had a great job. I understood how to do my job. I got to travel all over the place. We were going to keep our house, rent it, let the kids live in it, didn't matter, and we were going to lease a 40-foot yacht in Fort Myers, Florida. And it was going to have internet and a telephone, and as long as Fort Myers had an airport, I could do my job. That's where we were going to be today. And we were going to do that for two years, and then we were going to go to Chicago, and we were going to get an apartment in a high-rise in downtown Chicago, and we were going to have restaurants and just see what that city life was like. And the next spot was going to be San Francisco, and we were going to do the same exact thing. But we don't have that now. We sold the house on the lake. We got a beautiful house. You don't need to feel sorry for us. Our life is awesome. I mean, really, it is, but it's different because that thing had to die. Because God said, listen, this is what I have planned for your life. We never saw it coming. Then came Annika. Oh, man. I mean, that's been awesome. But if you would have told me five years ago that someday at age whatever I was, 50 or something, that I would adopt a nine-year-old child when, I, when the kids were done, I'd have said, you're out of your mind. That seed had to go on the ground and die. Now he's taking us to another place. And he's breaking our hearts for these children that don't have anybody to care for them. I mean, the state cares for them, but that's, honestly, that's not really great care. And they go from place to place to place, and then the devil gets to whisper in their ears and say, they ask questions like, what's wrong with me? Why did that family not want me? And why does this family not want me? And how come when I used to be with my biological parents, I had a brother, but now my brother lives in that family and I live in this family and he's moving to that family and we can't be together anymore. And the devil starts to build up this bitterness inside these people. If you could see the statistics of what it's like for these children as they get to be a little bit older, the percentage that are homeless, the percentage that have... Um, emotional issues that have to be dealt with, the percentage that end up in jail, the percentage that are on welfare, all these things. Why? Because their family broke down, and then for many of them, they never got another one. The mountain of self. Honestly, God's just taken a wrecking ball to that in us. But it don't die easy. I mean, seriously, if I could be so honest with you, self does not, at least mine doesn't die easy. I hope yours does easier than mine. 1 Kings chapter 18, 41 through 45. We'll end this thing the way we were going to end it anyway. Now, this is a story. It's, it's a cool story about Elijah the prophet. And Elijah has this, this experience where he thinks that the king of Israel or, or Judah, I don't know, the king is Ahab at this time. And he has this evil wife called Jezebel. And Ahab is this wimpy dude, and Jezebel is this overbearing, that's where the Jezebel spirit comes from, if you've ever heard of the Jezebel spirit, this, this domineering, overbearing spirit that would, that would just rule the kingdom through the king, even though Jezebel was really the influence behind Ahab. Ahab was not a strong man. She kills the prophets of the Lord. Elijah thinks he's the only one left. Turns out it's not true that this one guy had hidden a hundred prophets of the Lord. But Elijah doesn't know this. He thinks he's, thinks he's the only one. And he goes through this whole deal where he challenges 450 prophets of Baal. That's the God that uh, Jezebel and Ahab are serving. And, they, and they're leading their country to serve this, the, the Baals, these God, gods. I don't know that much about the Baals. They're, they're not God. 
So he challenges them to this fight, and they get up on the top of, I think it's Mount Carmel, and he says, you're going to create an altar, and you're going to slay an ox, and you're going to put it up on that altar, and then you're going to call fire down from your God. And I'm going to do the same thing over here, and I'm going to call fire down from my God. And the God that comes and consumes that offering with fire is the true God. So they said, okay, we'll take you up on that. And all the people are watching. And these guys, they cry out. This was the scripture. This part was the scripture for vain repetition. They just, they just cried out to their God, and, and he didn't answer. They didn't bring any fire from heaven. They start cutting themselves and, and crying, oh, God, you have to come, oh, Baal, whatever it is that you do to Baal. And it's just a bunch of nonsense because he's at his very best, Baal is a demon. And at his very least, he's just in some part of somebody's imagination. Or maybe backwards for that, I don't know. So Elijah, he's starting to get confident. So he's like, hey, maybe you should scream louder. I think your God's asleep. Maybe dance a little more. So they're doing all this stuff, but nothing ever happens. So then he goes and he slaughters his ox and he puts it on this altar. And he's, he's so bold, he takes a bunch of water and dumps it all over the thing. So it's not even going to burn unless something happens from heaven. He prays to the God of heaven and fire comes from heaven, it not only consumes everything, like the, the offering, I think it consumed the rocks. The whole everything gets consumed by God. And all the people say, wow, the God of Elijah, he is God. And then they slay the 450 prophets of Baal. So it's a good day for Elijah, I guess. You know, he won one against 450, but one plus God is infinity, right? You can't lose. So a little while later now, he has prayed. In Hebrews, you'll see that it talks about Elijah was a man like us. He wasn't, you know, like Jesus, you know, with a God nature and a man nature. He was just a man like us. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And for three and a half years, there was no rain. And then he prayed that it would rain, and the rain came. So this scripture is the story about Elijah as he's praying for that rain to come. See, the fire from heaven didn't come. God could have done it at any time, right? He could have toasted up this part and left that part alone. He didn't need Elijah. But the fire came when Elijah prayed to God. When he reached out, he petitioned the Lord. The Lord came on the Lord's own behalf and burned up the altar and proved Elijah's point. So now Elijah knows that at some point God's going to bring the rain. He's just actually, I think, been told to pray. And he's praying. Listen to this scripture. This is faith. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. See, they've been rationing because there'd been this drought for three and a half years and a famine because of the drought. He says, now you can go eat and drink for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. See, He's looking for some proof that his prayer has been answered. And he said, go back seven times. And it came about the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with the clouds and wind and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezebel, or Jezreel. The Lord through Gene asked us this morning, what's the mountain that's standing in your way? The Lord through Elijah says today, beyond that mountain, can you see that little tiny cloud? See, he didn't wait for the rain to come to go pronounce to Ahab, 
that you better get your chariot on its way because it's going to be so wet here pretty soon that there's no way your chariot's going to move. He saw the cloud, just a tiny little cloud, way off over the ocean, just the size of a man's hand. So maybe if that mountain looks insurmountable, look past that mountain and see that cloud. But if you didn't pray, if you didn't ask God, if you didn't say, God, oh, I've been telling you so much about crying out to the Lord. It's so important to put away your self-awareness and cry out to God. God, we need rain. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That if you cry out to God and you say, God, all I can see is the mountain. You have to show me the little cloud. He will show you the little cloud. And when you see the little cloud, you have to proclaim the rain. You say, now it's raining. Thank you, God, for the rain and the rain will come because you'll have applied faith to your request of the Lord. Bring down the big lights, please. Maybe um, Madison or someone that want to play on the thing for me. Okay. All right. And the children shall lead them. So Teresa asked the kids, as I was talking about planting seeds, to pray and, and the Lord to give them a picture. So they drew pictures that are prophetic pictures. So one at a time. Whoops. McKenna, you want to come up first? We're going to do this real quick. Okay, Parker. Do you want to explain what the, what this means, or do you want me to explain it for you? Okay, tell me what it means. Okay, Parker drew a picture. Tell me what this is. A cake. Okay. There's a birthday cake, or a cake, but at the top it says justice and peace. What's this on the inside? On the inside, on the, e- on the inside, he drew an eagle that says, beautiful, love, lemon. Okay. I told them to write down whatever you see or hear. They were to listen to what seeds were being planted here today. What's that say? Blessings. Blessings. Okay. Great job. All right, who's next? Nora, come quickly. Just real quickly, what a birthday cake, right, symbolizes a birthday. When that seed goes in the ground and that first little sprout comes up, it's a birth. New Amen. Birth. Amen. Woo. New beginnings. Nora, do you want to tell us what yours says? Okay. She drew, Nora drew trees, apple trees. It says his love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Okay, a shield of faith and peace. Can you see the people at the bottom of the picture? Can you all see that? Those are individual people. 
But each person holds a letter. And when they're, when they're together, it spells family. That doesn't rock you. The inside says, love Jesus. Love, grace, joy. Jesus, God loves us all the same. Jesus is kind. And then this proclamation on the back. Give us clean hands. Awesome. Thank you, Nora. Who's next? Come up quickly. Maddie? Okay. Maddie? You want to talk? Okay. Okay, Maddie drew a heart with a smile, but it also has arms and legs. It's a radiant heart, but I think the arms and the legs are very symbolic that God's heart doesn't just remain in one place. God's heart moves. On the inside, she has a tree. What's in the tree? Um, a nest. A nest. Who's in the tr- in the nest? Baby birds. With baby birds. And what's this? It's um, a basket. And what's in the basket? Apples. That's a, um, a, a, like a, a, it's a bad apple. Okay. Okay, there's a tree with a nest with baby birds. And underneath it is a basket full of apples with one bad apple. But the basket is full of good apples all around it. Interesting enough, Maddie also drew a birthday cake. Is that a cloud? With a big cloud. Thank you, Lord. And there's a Christmas wreath also. Okay, who's next? Thanks, Maddie. That's awesome. Avery. Okay. So, Avery? Do you want us to Okay. So, Avery's got a picture of a head. And he said, when we all walk into the house, right, that flames of fire will be above our heads. He also has a butterfly. What's a butterfly mean? That symbolizes peace and two hearts. He's got trees that start out as a seed. And what of Jesus? Okay. And as that tree grows, that tree is transformed to be and look more and more like Jesus. And then the rainbow 
symbolizes God's promises. We know that. And then hearts. They're all, amen. Amen. Okay, who's next? Caleb? What did you draw? What does this mean? Okay. Okay, well, Caleb drew a picture of himself preaching on the stage. And on the inside, he's planting seeds down here. And the seeds that he planted draw, grows into big trees. And we're going to say those are big oak trees. Okay, McKenna? Okay, what is this? What is this? Joy, braveness. And remembrance were three words that God spoke to her. So somebody needs to hear those. Joy, braveness, and remembrance. This is a picture of Selah, who lives in heaven. And the words are graceful, peaceful, happy, Fruit of the Spirit, and then Jesus on the back. This is what they were hearing and what they were seeing, what God was speaking to them as Pat was speaking. Thanks, McKenna. It's awesome. And Zachary, last one. Thanks. You guys are awesome. Being patient. Want to tell me what it means? What's this word? Okay. Okay, he got the word atlas, which would be like the world, I would think. Is that what you meant? Okay. And he saw a Chinese necklace like a picture God showed him, which means peace. And there is no other God. And then he drew a picture and he says, be friends with everyone and do not kill. For those that don't know Jesus, they wear evil crown. And he said, God, forgive these people. That's a word for us. For those that don't know Jesus, to remember, they don't wear a crown of life. to have that spirit of forgiveness in our heart for them, but also of compassion. So I just wanted you to see and hear what the kids 
Their instruction was, God's going to speak to you. He's going to plant. If you, he was to give you a seed, what would you want that to, seed to grow up to be? What would you do with that seed? Yes. Nora wanted to show you that when you hold p- the papers together like this, it makes a heart. And the last thing is the picture God showed me. I'm not, where's mine? Now the kids are better artists than I am, but God showed me a heart. But inside that heart are small hearts. The small hearts represent us, and they're within the heart of God. That our hearts make up the heart of God. So thank you. I just want to confirm the words that come out of these children. Most of you don't know this, but during worship, there was intercessors interceding for the peace of God to fall on this church. And that the peace, the storms in your life, God would still them and call you out of the boat to walk on still waters. So let's just close with this. First, let's pray. Lord, I, we pray, God, to you that if there be any hearts outside the big heart, Lord, that you would draw the little hearts into the big heart, that people wouldn't be deceived or confused or they would just know your perfect agape love for them, Lord, that your love, your kindness, and Lord, I pray through the fruit that's born in your church of love, of understanding, of compassion, of patience, of all the fruit of your spirit, that the hearts that are outside the big heart, Lord, will come into the big heart and get to know you forever and ever and ever. And Jesus said, I think I'm quoting this right, for the hope set before him, or the scripture says, the, for the hope set before him, he endured the cross. Is that right? The hope set before him, he endured the cross. So if if all you can see is the cross, if all that you can see is the mountain, then let the little cloud on the other side of the mountain be the hope set before you that you endure that mountain until it comes down in your life. Whatever your mountain might be or mountains might be. Lord, I just pray today that the mountains will come down and the clouds, in this case, the clouds a good thing, that the cloud will grow so that the rain can fall, so that the seeds that we plant can grow up into that fruit that's righteousness, Lord, sown in peace, that the mountains come down, that we don't stare. Teresa said that this morning. Don't look at your sickness. Don't look at yourself. Look to heaven. Set your mind on things above, that the peace of heaven will come upon us and we'll look right past the mountain to the cloud and we'll see the size of a hand becomes the size of a man, becomes the size of the sky and God's glory will reign and his righteousness will grow and his church will produce beautiful fruit so that everyone will know truly how awesome he is. Thank you, Lord. I just pray heavenly peace as the mountains come down.